Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Thank you for joining us once again on the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Andrew Dore. I really appreciate you taking some time with us today to talk about what's going on with the market and the economy. As usual, I will just point out that what you're about to hear today should not be construed as individual investment advice. You should certainly speak directly with your personal financial advisor to discuss any of the information we go through here today and how it may relate to your investment plan. If you need help on that, we'd be happy to have a conversation with you. So with that, let's dive into this week because this is a very important week in the market. We had some pretty important stuff happen last week as well. The inflation data came out last week. I was saying to a client last week that, you know, I'm just not excited about the next four or five days in this market because it really is, uh, there's a ton of uncertainty. There's a ton of things that could happen that could be very positive, a ton of things that could be very negative. And that's specifically related to the inflation data we saw on Friday and what the Fed is going to do on Wednesday of this week. And I was thinking about it over the weekend. I was reading a book to my kids and it reminded me of the Choose Your Own Adventure books from the 80s, and I don't know, maybe I'm a child of the 80s, so in the 80s, they were new to me. Maybe they're from before that. I'm not quite sure, but if you remember these books, you would open them up, and you would read a little bit of the story, and then you'd get to choose where the story would go. Do you decide that the prince marries the princess? Okay, well, then the romantic story about the children begins. Do you decide that the prince leaves the princess and goes off to war to battle for her honor? Well, there's another storyline and you flip ahead in the book to wherever that storyline starts and you read and, and you get the story that you want. You get to choose your own adventure. And last week, Friday, I feel like we got a little bit of our own choose your own adventure moment with inflation. Yet again, there are decisions for you as the consumer of this information to make to decide what you think about what you saw. Did you want inflation to be bad and rising? Did you expect that? Well, then there's some data to back that up. Did you want to see inflation peaking or ebbing? There was some data to back that up as well. We could really walk away from last Friday's data and we could come up with a narrative that fit pretty much anyone's model. And, you know, that's part of the hard part about this business. The world never really gives us a perfectly gift-wrapped answer to what's going on. It always is more complicated than we would like. So let's look at the present that the Department of Labor left us on Friday and unpack it a little bit, see what we can understand from that. But also let's look ahead and what we need to understand for this week's Fed meeting, because what we saw last week is going to inform their decision making. So let's start with inflation. I'll I'll use the, the headline I saw on Friday. Worst inflation since 1981. And it was. It was. That's it. I mean, it absolutely true. All items inflation, or CPI, rose 1% month over month and ends up sitting at an 8.6% year-over-year number. It's not a pretty number. That is the highest year-over-year number we've seen since 1981. And it's frankly well ahead of last month's numbers. Last month's numbers were 0.3% month over month and 8.3% year-over-year. So we saw a pretty significant increase from the numbers that we saw in April. So what was the driver in all this? Very simply, it was the cost of energy. Now, when we got the April numbers, the cost of energy fell and drove CPI below the March numbers. This month, it was the exact opposite. We put a chart 
we do this a lot. Obviously, we have our weekly insight memo. I'd encourage you to go look at it. But there's a great chart from the Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics, which puts out all this information. And they showed the the various pieces of inflation as bubbles on a chart, showing which had risen the most, which hadn't, but also showing the relative weight. So the larger the bubble, the bigger the weight to inflation. And what you see on this chart is all the way out on the upper right side of this chart is a very small bubble, and that bubble is energy commodities. And it is doesn't have a particularly large weight to the overall inflation numbers, but it is such an exceedingly high number in terms of what it has risen that it has certainly impacted more than probably anything else, the overall numbers. So that brings us back to the choose-your-own-adventure side of things. If you instead were looking for some optimism, I've got your answer there as well. Core CPI. You'll recall me talking many times over the last few months about the difference between core CPI and CPI. CPI is all items inflation. It's everything. Core CPI takes away food and fuel, food and energy from the calculation. This is the number that the Federal Open Market Committee, the Fed, uses when making decisions on interest rates. Why do they use this number? In their calculation, energy and food prices can be so volatile driven by so many things that aren't necessarily core to the economy, but are instead driven by weather or war or anything else, they exclude that from the calculation and they look at everything else. Well, the number for core CPI rose 0.6% month over month and 6% year over year, which was actually slightly better than last month. Last month, we had year over year number for core CPI of 6.2. So we actually saw core CPI drop a little bit. That obviously shows the impact of removing food and energy from the equation. Again, another good chart here. You can see that once you take away energy, the rest of the world looks like it's really pretty reasonable given the situation that we're in. So which one of these reports really matters the most? Was this report good news or bad news? And what will the impact on the markets be in the long term? In the short term, we certainly know it was nasty. NASDAQ was down more than 3% Friday morning. S&P 500 and the Dow down more than 2.5%. But this is where the conversation gets tough. The long-term issues, what is the Fed going to do? Because there truly are no sure answers. We've been making the argument, I've been making the argument for several weeks now, especially going back to the last CPI report, that I believed inflation was starting to peak or at worst plateau. Even if you look at last Friday's report, I still think that that argument is valid. I also will be the first to admit that some people are going to look at that and say, hey, Andrew, you're stretching right now. You're trying to justify what you've been saying for the last few months. I don't think I am. I, I think I'm intellectually honest enough with you. I think I've, you've heard me talk about when we've been wrong before. I'm not afraid to be wrong. But when you look at the data, yes, CPI was up last month, all items inflation. But if you start to look back at what has happened with inflation over the last three or four months, what you see is that over the last three months, inflation has wobbled. All items CPI inflation has wobbled around a peak, but it has not gone up significantly since we got the March number. And core CPI actually plateaued back in February, and it's been dropping since. So the real question as it relates to the market right now is what is the Fed going to do with this information next week? 
They have their FOMC meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Chairman Powell will march to the podium Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. for his press conference. As usual, that will be must-watch TV in our offices. I hope for your sake and your sanity you avoid it. You can just get the update next week here. But right now, the FOMC has been more clear. I've got to give them credit. They've been more clear in the last several months about what they intend to do than I think I've ever experienced them being. The plan right now, according to what they've said several times, is that they're going to raise rates 50 basis points or 0.5% this month and again in July. The market right now is counting on that being true. The probability today that the Fed raises rates by 50 basis points, according to the CME FedWatch tool, is right now at 94.7%. The latest CPI data barely bumped that number. It was prior to the CPI data, it was a 96.4% probability. After the data came out, it went down to a 94.7% probability, but still very certain. The market is very certain that the Fed is going to raise rates 50 basis points in their meeting this week. If they change course or significantly alter their forward guidance, I think we could be in for a rocky ride over the next couple of weeks in the market. If they stay the course, and if they stay the course in their guidance for July, I honestly think that will probably give a lot of confidence back to the market after what was a little bit of a rocky Friday. So what does this mean, though, in the real world? And I I think that we have to sometimes divorce this from the market. We always talk about the market. We always talk about portfolios. It's important. People are listening to us. People are working with us because they want to make money in the market. I understand that. But there's also a significant difference between how this data impacts the market and how this data impacts the real world. And buried below all this inflation data, I think there is some media information that's not being talked about right now. And if I'm going to discuss it, I am going to sound very non-PC here. I'm going to sound like a heartless, soulless capitalist for a little bit. And I hope you will forgive me for that. Don't shoot the messenger because I think the message is important. So simply put, sorry, folks. I love you all. I love all of our listeners. I love all of our clients. But the people listening to this podcast right now are most likely not the ones who are really feeling the impact of this inflation. I had this conversation the other day with a client and the statement was, well, I feel it. I Man, I went and filled up my Suburban at at the gas station and cost like 150 bucks, Andrew. I felt that. I said, yeah, I get it. You you feel it when you see that specific number, but in terms of your relative net worth or your relative income, paying $150 for that gas versus paying $100 for that gas or $75 for that gas is a relatively small price to pay. Inflation is not impactful for millionaires, but it is for the average American worker. That person who needs to fill up their car to drive to work every day, maybe they make $35,000 a year and they've got to drive 25 miles to work every day, that doubling in gas price is a big deal. And it is, interestingly enough, the average American worker who has also seen the most change in their economic life over the last couple of years. Now, here's where I'm going to get on PC. Bluntly, the pandemic was really good for the average American worker. Their balance sheet has improved dramatically. I've gone through this data with everybody before. I won't beat it up, but the amount of money we see in savings account today in the United States, four times higher than average. The amount of money currently due on debt relative to income, generational lows. American consumers are healthy today. They're in good financial 
shape. Now, we did it at the expense of the federal balance sheet, but pandemic payments by the government and extremely cheap interest rates have been really, really good for the average American worker. They're in the best shape that they've seen in generations. And that's great. That's wonderful. We want people to be financially secure and healthy and and happy. But it's also led to people making choices. Maybe it meant retiring early. Maybe it meant that one of the spouses is going to stay home with the kids. Maybe it meant working less overtime or not taking that second job. All of those things are quality of life decisions, and we're glad people had the ability and the power to make those decisions. But all of those decisions also had a huge impact on our labor market. And that impact on our labor market in turn helped cause the inflation that we're seeing today. More consumers with more money to spend at a time when we had less workers to produce those goods and services, that helps lead to inflation. Now, here's the not so PC part of this. In the end, capitalism is a gigantic weighing machine. We can make arguments that capitalism isn't the right system, okay? There are certainly people out there that believe that today. But capitalism in itself is a big weighing machine, and it's the system we've got today. And when that scale gets out of whack, prices will rise or fall to meet that change. Equilibrium will eventually be found. And I would argue today that the average American worker is starting to feel that equilibrium squeeze today. We have some really good data on compensation and job openings that's included in the Weekly Insight that really begins to show that. And what you see, what you see is that total job openings peaked late last year. We also see that total compensation, their index of compensation plans, actually peaked at the very beginning of this year. We're starting to see compensation fall we're starting to see job openings drop a little bit. Why is that happening? It's happening because the average American worker is feeling the squeeze of this inflation and it is forcing them to work maybe a few more hours. It is forcing them to maybe take on that second job. It is forcing them to go back and get back into the labor market. It's been a gradual process, but it solves one of the Fed's biggest concerns which is that there would be a wage price spiral where businesses are chasing labor by paying more and more and more for it. And instead, right now, what we're seeing is that people are having to go back to work to pay for the rising price, a rising cost of goods. Like it or not, that's good for our economy. I know it is not the appealing thing to say, but getting workers back into the labor market is going to help fix inflation. It is going to be good for our economy. And we are starting to see that today. None of these items are going to be quickly resolved. It's going to take time. It's going to take patience. We're going to be wrong more than we're right on some of these things. Certainly know that every data set we get in this type of environment is going to be parsed in so many ways to justify the opinion of the parser, right? And and in our case, that certainly includes us. We admit fully that you know, your biases interpret or, or impact how you interpret data. But capitalism is an amazing system. And if I had to say anything, I would say that I trust the forces of capitalism and the equilibrium that we will eventually see. And I believe we're starting to see that today. So hang on. It's going to be a few more interesting weeks and months, but things will eventually come out in the wash. Last point. This is a big week. The Fed meeting will provide us some very interesting data that we'll be able to go through with you in next week's podcast. 
But more importantly, or most importantly in that data, is they are going to give us their forward guidance, the old dot plot, their expectations for inflation. We haven't seen that from the Fed for several months. And so it's going to be very interesting to see how their opinions have changed over the last several months and where they believe they're guiding the economy. So hang on for that. We will have that for you in next week's podcast on Monday. With that, we'll wrap it up. I would encourage you, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to give us a call at 515-273-1333, or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. As always, we appreciate your time. We hope you have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks so much. Securities offered through RTA Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.